0: Hey guys, on Saturday Night Just Gone, the Small Business Big Marketing Show was awarded Australia's Best Business and Marketing Podcast at the 2018 Australian Podcast Awards. So thank you to you, my precious listener. Whether you've listened in just a few times or whether I'm part of your weekly audio routine, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. You've made my day. And now, on with the show. As business owners, we spend a lot of time honing our hard skills. Productivity, cash flow management, marketing. But what about the softer skills, like empathy and compassion? They're just as important, aren't they? Ex-Buddhist monk and now small business owner Clark Scott thinks so, and he's about to explain how we should use them to grow our precious businesses. Before we launch into episode 416 of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, the marketing gold is made possible thanks to Prosper and Design Crowd. Prosper is Australia's number one online lender to small businesses offering fast turnaround loans up to $250,000. Check them out at prosper, that's P-R-O-S-P-A dot forward slash Timbo. And design crowd. they're the world's number one custom design marketplace where... You get access to five hundred and fifty thousand designers for the perfect design every time guaranteed. And you can get a hundred bucks off your brief at designcrowd.com forward slash, you guessed it, Timbo. Yeah, just for small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead now here's your host Mr Timbo Reed and welcome back to the small business big marketing show Australia's best business and marketing podcast according to the Australian Podcast Awards just gone i'm your host Timbo Reed but you infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner and you're ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Big show today. Ex-Buddhist monk turned small business owner Clark Scott makes a compelling case for us business owners to practice being more empathetic and compassionate on both ourselves and others. And don't get sucked in, guys. Keep listening. Don't think it's some soft, you know, woo-woo little episode here. There's some very solid learnings. And two more lucky listeners share what marketing is working for them. And in return, I give them a prize or three on behalf of some past guests. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck Right in. Righto, let's meet today's guest immediately, I think. His name is Clark Scott, and throughout the 90s, Clark lived and studied with Tibetan lamas both in Australia and India, which would be pretty cool. Well, I think it would be anyway, whilst developing several software businesses as a means of supporting himself while living as a Buddhist monk, which was part of the shtick, I am told. His initial contact with Buddhism started in 1995 when he was studying music at the Victorian College of the Arts. And since then, he's read, thought about, practiced, and lived by the principles found within the Buddhist worldview every day since. Now, whilst Clark no longer lives the monastic lifestyle, he is still very much a practicing Buddhist, meditating daily and with a strong belief that we cannot live our life well without creating something that has deep roots in how we view the world around us. Now, don't be fooled. This is not some wishy-washy spiritual chat, as I said earlier. Instead, we explore the importance of being a compassionate and empathetic business owner, one who has a solid mindset for being in service to others and ourselves, and how that can have a hugely positive impact On our business success. Now, as I'm doing more and more these days, if you'd like to watch this interview, you'll find the Facebook live video over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 416. And during this chat, you'll hear us reference Sophie a few times. That's Clark's wife who was filming in the background. I started off by asking Clark to respond to a claim he makes on his website. You claim to help unlock people's innate potential to flourish, and through this, they will leave the capacity to live with more wealth, health, and happiness than they ever thought possible. Yep, I, I love that quote. Yep, I'm in. I'm listening. You're here. Sure. Is that how you live?
1: I it's a, it's a template from which we can live. So for sure. Um, Are you there? No, I think it's um, it's a lifelong journey. Because fundamentally what it's really all about is getting out of your own way. And as you know, um, as, and as your audience will know, as human beings, we tend to trip up on uh, on our own mindset. So uh, it's very much a journey and it's very much like a little bit like peeling an onion. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't know what's under the next layer until you actually see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say looking back over the years, I've come a hell of a long way. Uh, and I'm really happy where I, where I am, but I feel like it's, it's weird, you know, cause I feel like I'm just starting. I'm probably halfway through my life. Starting what? Like life. I, it, isn't
0: life is... not that a it, frustration? You're about the same age as me, 82. And, uh, <laughs> isn't, but, do you find that frustrating? The fact no, that... No, not at all. Not at all. you No, excited? every
1: morning when I wake up, I'm excited to sit down and, and do work. And, um... It's not frustrating, but you do need patience. So um, bringing out the innate potential really is about um, – it's something that's already there. Mm-hmm. And we tend to um, – I was just about to drop the F-bomb. We tend to kind of – You can do anything you want. All right. Well, we tend to f- get in our own way. Let's just say it that way. Um, we're
0: as business, And we're talking to business owners, so sure. let's keep it in that context. Yep. Are we our own worst enemies? We can be, for sure. Yeah, totally. But we're also our own greatest protectors.
1: So we need really to be able to distinguish between what's working and what's not. So if you think about it from a software development point of view, I've done some software development in the past. You you have a you have a, like a, a goal, a, a, the kind of thing that you want to produce, and then you go ahead and you write a line of, line of code. Line of code, line of code, line of code until it's finished. Mm-hmm. Then you put it out to market, you see mm-hmm. how they react, and then you you bring it back in-house, you tweak it, and you put it back out. And we do that. So that's just a metaphor for any kind of business. Yes. We're basically continually reiterating
0: versions of our businesses, our marketing messages, everything that we're doing. So it's quite interesting, that philosophy you're talking about, you know, again, putting in the context of the small business owner, we're constantly striving, striving, striving to get somewhere to the next goal, and then it's sort of like... We don't even stop to recognise that we might have got somewhere with that goal yep. and instead move forward. And it's like, where is the friggin' finish line? Because I'm exhausted, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, I'm talking on p- half of myself and others yeah. you know, so call moments that moments in life. I would call that the creative gap. So there's a gap
1: between where we believe, where we want to be and where we believe we're at. So no matter what we're doing, there's always this feeling that there's a gap between what we're trying to create, whether it's for our life or for our business or the two together because, you know, they they come together, don't they? For small business owners, your life is your business and your business is your life, really. Um, So there's always this gap. So what I say to people who I coach and to myself make sure you stop and you turn around and see where you've come from. So it's only when we look back in retrospect we go, "Ah, oh, okay, I've actually come in the last 12 months I've been able to shift a lot of stuff. I've been able to move forward a great deal." Mm-hmm. So if you do that year on year or you do that going back 20 years, I look back 20 years ago from where I was 20 years ago. So your initial question was, "Do you live your life that way?" Yes. Absolutely, because as a as a 20-year-old man, I was
0: as like most
1: 20-year-olds, I was, you know, kind of broken.
0: Mate, and I, I'm amazed. I mean, the, the two ladies who were in the, your seats a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Stephanie and Claire, 24-year-old entrepreneurs who were smashing it. And I yeah. just, I, la- I was laughing inside because it's like at 24, yeah. I was just out having fun, trying yeah. to work things out. And yep. yet these girls had like 22 products in coals. They had a membership program doing 60 grand a month. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. really? yeah. Everyone's different, but I'm sure. To I'm, others and sure, kind of but I reckon when they're forty or
1: when they're fifty, they'll yes. look back at that time and they'll and they would have they would also be have moved forward. So who knows where they're going to end up? Yes, the fact that they're doing that now, they're not going to they're not going to end there, are they?
0: No, oh, clearly not. Yeah. I, one of my mates, uh, Ben, I had to laugh last week, and I couldn't go because I had a commitment on the Wednesday night, but he said, oh, mate, you've been really instrumental in helping me get my website together. Would you come to my website launch party? Okay. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm the bad guy who just laughed at him and goes, Ben, I, I'm honoured, I'm really honoured to be invited, but I've never been to a website launch party and I've never heard of a website launch party. Oh, yeah. And but maybe, his, maybe back in the day. Well yes, when they were that way were a new thing right. Yeah, yeah. But his point was he goes, But Timbo, you gotta celebrate the little stuff, mate, as much as you celebrate the big stuff. A small business owners that we gotta stop and and just look back. Where we've where have we been? Yeah. Where are we going? and reward ourselves for it. So it kind of feels like that's what you're touching on. Hey, let's get a little bit spiritual because I want to talk about your entrepreneurial spirit. Okay. But I do want to understand, uh, what were you doing? I want to explore this Buddhist monk thing. I know you're not one now and I know that doesn't define you and I get that. Yeah, I'm I'm some proud of it. uh, No, well, I hope you are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I kind of think it's pretty, yeah, I find a lot of peace when I see a Buddhist monk. Um, So first of all, what were you doing prior to choosing to be a Buddhist monk?
1: Yep. So, just before doing that, um, I was at the VCA, so the Victorian College of the Arts, uh-huh. um, studying music. And so, back in the day, even before that, I, I grew up in a working class family. My father is in the building trade, small business owner, um, and just worked his ass off. Never never really saw him, but I was nothing like my dad, and I mean that in a in a nice way. Um, I was I was writing music and poetry and um, I had, you know, I, I made my own, my own clothes. So I was very, very different than a small business, working class, uh, like he was a carpenter. So,
0: so he, I, I'm, I'm seeing what's that film where the kid goes and goes to ballet school? Um, I, I I can't dance to save my life. So <laughs> no, nothing like Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot? Yeah, nothing
1: like it Billy Elliot. It sounds like that. You but it was very, a Billy Elliot yeah, household. Yeah, totally, totally different. And I ended up. Um, pursuing music, and but my, my grandfather was uh, he had probably had perfect pitch. We think that he probably had perfect pitch. Never never had any kind of lessons, but he could he could basically play. I had a piano at home, so he could play that. What pitch uh, was not great. So <laughs> I was yeah, going to get you to sing. Yeah. But no, no, you don't <laughs> want to. I used to yell in key, basically. <laughs> right. Um, but I ended up going to the VCA, and okay. it was during the VCA that um k- kind of. Life fell to pieces. I had um, friends who got into drugs and I was not but um, close friends who died and so it made me kind of really try and work out what the hell was going on and I just kind of fell into Buddhism is the way I, I say it. And it really... How do you fall into Buddhism? It, someone um, gave me a book and it just... The whole thing rang true and uh, it felt like coming home. Rather than meeting something that was foreign... It really felt like I was reading something, like I was reading a book for the second time but I hadn't... You're one of these people who've had an epiphany. I've had many in my oh, life you make but, me but cross. this wasn't an epiphany. It was not like that at all. It was, it was more like have you ever watched a movie where you've gone, you, you get like half, half an hour into the movie and you go, I've seen this before. But you, vu. but you didn't realize what before you, you rented the movie. It was kind of like that, so it was it felt very right. very close. And I ended up meeting a Tibetan lama, um, and and that just that's how it all kind of happened. And then, um, what, what
0: could an animal say to you? What kind of what? What could an animal say to you? Yeah,
1: no, a Tibetan
0: lama, not not a not a <laughs> I got South it. American lama. Yeah. I'm famous for um, dad jokes. That's all. Yeah, dad jokes are dad jokes <laughs> for a reason, Timbo. <laughs> so you met this Tibetan lama Yeah. What, what And How did he get you across the line? I,
1: I was already there. I I right. drank the Kool-Aid and it was I really was looking for for someone to to basically guide me. And the the funny thing is, he didn't say, "Okay, come with me and learn all about my my ways, learn about Buddhism." He said, "I uh, want you to go back to school and learn computers." So, um for me to to go, so he had a monastery up near the airport. Uh, it was more like a dharma center actually, but there was a part of it which was a monastery and a part of it which a dharma center. What we would call a dharma center, which means lay people could live there as well. Right. So it was like a community. The only way I could move in, which I was desperate to do, was I had to have a job and I had to have a car. So he was very very westernised kind of Tibetan. Lama. You had to
0: support yourself. Be self sufficient. Totally,
1: mm-hmm. totally. So he taught me, and he he's now passed away. When I eventually left 14 years later or to go and ha, or do... Or has he? he? He's no longer with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So he, um, when I left the monastery 14 or 15 years later to go and do a PhD, um, I said to him, you've been more than a father, more than a mother, and more than a best friend. There's just, there's absolutely no way I can repay you. So he taught me everything from how to do business. Like It's weird. Like He's a Tibetan Lama. So he taught me philosophy. He taught me psychology. He taught me... Uh, And this goes into the whole compassion and business. He taught me about business, like why the motivation behind business. As small business owners, we're trying to help others. That's essentially what we're trying to do. We're trying to help other people and there's an exchange of value. I do this for you and you give me money. And through that, I can support my family, I support myself, I can support my business, which will then allow me to do more of the same thing. So he taught me that. He taught me... the Tibetans are, are really, really good, um, what's the word? Like, bargainers. Um, bartering. Like Dealmakers. You've, oh, you've never seen a Tibetan... You, like, I've seen him haggle over the price of apples. Right. Well, that just means he's tight. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> he was... Um,
0: he was not tight. In fact, he's incredibly generous.
1: So man, let's so. explore that
0: um, because I want to explore. I mean, really, you know, in the, again, in the context of small business owners, what can we learn from you, who have been an ex-Tibetan, uh, an ex-Buddhist uh, monk? Yep, you're now you're a business owner. And you were during your days as a a monk, right? Yeah. And you have met this Tibetan Lama who's given you some business advice. So I'd really be interested to unpack that. So first, It was more life advice than business advice, yeah. Life is business. Hard to separate the two when you're a small business owner, right? Totally. So so first and foremost, he's basically got you in the mindset that, hey, if you're going to be a business owner, you're of service to others and you are there to add value to someone's life. Is that kind of lesson number one?
1: Uh, That's lesson number one. Lesson number two, all the way that's the beginning, the middle and the end is if you can come at your business from that perspective, uh, it does many things. There's, There's a lot of benefit. And one of the benefits is that you like, you cleave away your ego. So Buddhism is famous for getting rid of the ego, right? But if you can come at everything that you do, not just business, but your whole life from the perspective of trying to be of service to others and just trying, not you know, we're not Mother Teresa here, right? We're what not. Does, does it's not about mean? charity.
0: Just to define that, because I hear it a lot, and I like the phrase "be in service to others." But what does that mean? Does it mean like just do everything you can for everyone? No. Uh,
1: there has to be there has to be an equal balance, because what will happen if if you come at this from the perspective of just giving service, then. You'll be broke real quick. uh, Not only will you be broke, but you'll become a doormat. Like, from a psychological point of view, someone that that does that, there's something wrong with them. They're misunderstanding what's going on. So um, they're misunderstanding their own psychology. So they're giving for the wrong reasons. They're not giving out of service. They're giving because somehow they believe that's going to make them be a nice person or a good person. And, in fact, they're not. For giving in that way, they're actually giving from ego. So, if you can learn to give, be just be in service of others without it um, without it being some kind of pious thing or um, a charitable
0: thing. Um, can you describe someone that you've come across, and by all means, even use yourself as an example that does this very well? Who who lives a life of being in service to others is a business owner. Is out to make a profit. Is there anyone that comes to mind? You don't have to name names, but just describe how they go about their every day. Okay, I, I, I explain.
1: I'll explain it from how I do how I do it. Sure. So, using my background um, and my the the knowledge that I have from a philosophical point of view, from a psychological point of view, my day is basically about getting up and thinking about how what can I do to help someone else. So the business that I'm in I deal with with custom avatars so I've got a business and I produce stuff and then I put it out the market and try and sell it at scale so I'm not talking specifically towards one person I'm not thinking of, you know, I have this customer. What can I do to help them? I'm thinking about all customers, so this customer avatar. What is it that I can do? Sorry, what... just to be clear,
0: is that what you're selling? What you... No,
1: no. I s- so I sell um, educational yes. material. So I've got a digital agency where we do Facebook advertising, yeah. we do video production for So what do you mean, businesses. the business you're in? So the the other wing of that, so something that I'm pivoting in, is online courses and coaching for um, personal brand businesses. Gotcha. So. Someone that wants to be a life coach, a consultant, an online educator, or an entrepreneur online, I teach them how they can create content and brand content. They can monetize right. their brand and then scale it. Okay. So when I'm thinking about marketing to that person, that person is a customer avatar. Yes. Got and then it. if I sell that at a thousand bucks a pop, and I sell it a thousand times their seven figures. Mm -hmm. So, but to be able to do that, I've got to speak to one person. So that's my customer avatar. So every morning I wake up and I think, how can I improve my webinar? How can I improve my email sequences so that my marketing really gets them to move? So... You know, from a, a selling point of view, we have to push a couple of buttons in order for someone to get their credit card out and actually take action. Because more often than not, we're not competing with with our so-called competitors like other businesses. Mm-hmm. We're actually competing with something in our, in a customer, procrastination, something that's blocking them from actually participating in Fear, their own procrastination, life. procrastination,
0: yeah? lack of understanding. We're going to be a whole number of things.
1: Yeah. So – I'll go through. I may go through my email sequences and just try and improve the copy or a sales page. Or if I'm producing content, that's just a, a give. So for the listeners that have read any any of Gary Vaynerchuk's stuff, the whole the notion of giving value, following up, and then asking to go asking someone to go deeper, making them an offer, and the way that he says that it's jab 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 right hook. Mm-hmm. So the jab 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 is give, value give, give. giving value to whether it's in content, how to videos, just giving. And then the jab is, is making them an offer so, to go So deeper. Gary
0: Vee, I mean, I'm sure many, you, you like him. I am aware of him. I can only take him in small doses. Yeah, I admire him. Most people can. <laughs> most, I think many of my listeners will know who we're talking about. He's probably the world's leading expert on social media and pretty much every other topic he probably considers himself an expert on. Is he in service or is he just an outright capitalist pig?
1: Um, and I know you don't know him, but so what, what's your? Yeah, you no, I, I know him well enough to to say that he's <laughs> he's um, that he is in the service of others, and he also is very good at marketing. And, no doubt. And so he's. Uh, I know that he has a, a film crew that follows him, and he pays fifty grand a month for that film crew. So he knows how. Really? To mar- yeah, he knows how to market. But he's That also, film crew is just laughing behind his back. I don't think so. He's got a hundred and fifty million dollar agency that he yes. does no work in. There's other
0: people. Yeah, that's no, brilliant. Chuck so, Media. Yeah.
1: Um, We're talking tai about... Lopez. It. Do you know Ty Lopez? No. Nope. Ty Lopez um, is a digital marketer. Um, some of your people might... Some of your audience might know him. Mm-hmm. He's doing more than nine figures, so mm-hmm. more than $100 million. Um, he has uh, uh, about four or five people on staff and he's paying about $300,000. Mm-hmm. He's selling online courses, basically mm-hmm. just information products. Um and uh, he's famous for his video, I'm in my garage with my Lamborghini. Oh, yeah. if you,
0: that That's the guy. Those okay. guys. That guy. That guy. But if you, if you go a little they bit ma- deeper... They make me a bit angry, Clark.
1: If you go a little bit deeper, though, Timbo, you'll see that they're actually doing some good. Their marketing doesn't speak to me. We, we haven't got time for you to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> but go well, on. <laughs> but it's the same with Gary. I think what Gary's doing is he is doing good. Yes. How he's doing it the style of marketing doesn't speak to you it doesn't speak to me either but that's not to say that what he's doing is not is not
0: good i I totally agree i mean i think he's probably inspired and moved a lot of people into action that wouldn't have been moved into action so absolutely and again it's just his personality is not someone that i can listen to for extended periods of time so i get that okay so we're talking about um just on that before
1: before we move i think the reason and i teach my students about this is that when we create businesses we should be creating businesses around our core values the reason for that is that we can then be authentic and intentional with our marketing in such a way that what we're effectively doing is we're attracting people who have similar core values to us okay. and we are pushing away. We're repelling those that, that aren't... They don't... They're not us. They're not like us, so therefore we don't need to market to them. The great thing about the internet, if you, if you guys out in the audience listening to this now, if you use the internet in order to sell stuff, in order to to create business for you, if you can wrap your business, wrap a marketing message around your core values, that allows you to be both intentional and uh, authentic mm-hmm. at the same time, and we, where you don't care if someone likes you or not because it doesn't matter because you're being yourself but you're able to do it in a very intentional way rather than just... B- if you just be yourself without being intentionally in marketing, as business owners, we all know you're going to get nowhere. You're going to fail. You're going to go bankrupt.
0: I get it. Um, this conversation can get very confusing. The minute I hear core values because I grew up in an advertising agency yep. so it was like core values, core values, core values for all our clients and most of the clients never adhered to them and it was felt like a waste of time. When core values are agreed upon... And really you make them part of your being. Yep. It could, which it shouldn't be that hard, because they're your core values. Yep. They're the things that you value the most. Yep. Right. Okay. And then apply them to your business. I can see how that makes sense. And, I, and many many small business owners like listening to this show wouldn't have had the luxury or even the knowledge to go through a core values exercise, right? Yep. Because it's just, it seems to be that thing corporates do. Yep. And then you put the plaque in reception and you adhere to the core values as you walk past to go to the toilet. Yep. <laughs> but yes, I get the fact that understanding and being true to your core values will attract others who share the same. And repel others who don't. So I guess with Gary Vee, um, I don't share core values. I mean, him and yeah, I, uh, you know, I like what he does. Yeah. But there are other people I think who do it better that I can listen to. So yep. that's an, that's interesting. Okay. So back to Tibetan Lama. Mm. Sounds like an interesting guy. Does he have a name or do you have to refer to him as your Tibetan Lama? <laughs> he had a name. He's a human <laughs> being. He's just a
1: he – um, he was a lovely man. No doubt. He could be very – tough on me at times, uh, but in a loving and caring way. So, can, can,
0: I won't uh, be interrupting you. I'm naughty. This is your interview, not mine, but we share a this similar... This is your show, mate. So well, yeah. If you interrupt, know, you interrupt me, I'll get, interrupt you. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's fair enough. I like that. My listeners get a bit annoyed. They're like, shut up, Timbo. Just let them talk. But we share a similar, uh, not a similar journey, but I have got heavily into meditation a few years ago. Okay, cool. Uh, with a crowd called the Brahma Kumaris who still mean a lot to me. Yep. Um, And there was a lady there, she's still there by the name of Jacqueline and whilst she's never run a business in her life, um, in fact I don't even think she's worked for a business in her life, she's always been of service within the Brahma Kumaris. She taught me a lot about business. So I kind of get where you're coming from with old mate uh, Dalai Lama, well, um, Tibetan Lama um, because – they're very powerful people, these people, and they drop these little messages into you either uh, overtly or covertly that make you a better person, or at least what Jacqueline did to me. Yeah. And I like that. And, I, you know, I carry that with me every day. And there's a even now as I think about it, there's a real strength that you get from having a mentor like that. Yeah. it's. Um, I think it's about self-knowledge.
1: For me, what so his name was Geshe Tupton Loden. Geshe is like Professor. So... In, uh, so I would call him Geshe-la La is an honorif- honorific suffix but his name was Tupton Loden I'd never call him by his name but, but only because it was the relationship was was such that I would call him geshe so um, with, with geshe it was very much he was like a mirror and he would hold a mirror up to me so I, I could see my own face like my own psychological face and I could see the good bits and I could see the, the really ugly bits and the essence of, of Buddhism is really identifying our dysfunctional states of mind and replacing those with functional, constructive, positive states of mind. That's the essence of Buddhism. The whole monk thing, the, the, the clothes, it's like an athlete. You're an athlete of the mind. So I would wake up every morning. I wouldn't take drugs. I wouldn't smoke. I wouldn't go out and party. I wouldn't drink alcohol. You're a celibate person. But there's, that's for me, there was no difference between that and an athlete. So someone who's training to, to go to the Olympics wears a uniform, doesn't no. drink, doesn't smoke, no still has sex, but, got- <laughs> but, but doesn't
0: go out searching for it. You've got your a Nike lot. robes on. The athletes got their Nike, totally. uh, you know, and
1: like they're result. training their body. I'm training my mind. I did it for a certain period of time, and then w- at the point at which I felt like I'd completely integrated everything that I could from within the tradition, I, d- I woke up one morning and I knew it was the day that I was going to give my vows back. So I emailed um, my preceptor, wow. and and he was well, he said no problem, Clark. It's the, no problem. At After all. how many years? Uh, so I wasn't a monk for the whole, I wasn't a fully ordained for the whole monk time. Um, but it would have been, by that stage, it would have been about 16 years. Wow. And, so, and, it,
0: and it's not a, well, clearly it's not a lifelong commitment. Should it be a lifelong commitment or was the fact that you were stepping out of your robes doesn't mean that you're still not practicing? I practice that, every day. Right. So I, I still What does can, that mean? What does um, that look like? Does that mean sitting cross-legged with incense, or does that mean just being in service and compassionate? I know you're trying and, to be provocative.
1: Well, yeah, and, and
0: yeah, yeah, but no, see no, no I'm actually not. I mean, I'm actually trying. I'm actually asking, what does it look like? But, yep. but you know, also sort of second guessing some people who are thinking, oh, does he just kind of sit around all day and go okay, um, om, yeah, I, which I know you don't.
1: Yeah, absolutely not. So, um, unfortunately. Um, the Asian traditions, Asian philosophical traditions and the contemplative traditions have been um, almost butchered by popular culture and by the hippies of the 60s so, and we're still having to... I'm still having to deal with that these days... By, you know, having to answer questions like that, so it, it's <laughs> by talking to idiots like you, <laughs> yeah. But you've you've also been in the same place, so, I have. so you've probably have friends who are like Timbo's gone crazy, <laughs> he's he's now meditating, <laughs> yeah, right. So, and but we both know that meditation,
0: oh man, I meditate unreal.
1: in front if I'm having uh, a good day, a bad day, it doesn't matter. Um, every hour or so, I will sit there and I will watch my breath. And I don't make any big fuss about it. Sophie, my wife, doesn't know that I'm even doing it. So if she's home and where my office is set up, she can see me from from the kitchen. Um, not to say that when she's at home she's in the kitchen. It's, I didn't mean it to sound sexist, but that just happens sounded to pretty, be the location sound of, our, of our
0: house. Sounded pretty sexist, she,
1: yeah? I kind of did, didn't I? <laughs> I didn't mean it to. But... Um, she, But I get that. But I, she wouldn't know. And so I, for me, meditation is nothing more than being able to... It's an ongoing process of becoming mentally healthy. So if, you're, if you think about it from a physical training point of view, if, you, if you're serious about physically training, you'd be serious about the food you put into your, into your body. You'd be serious about sitting well in your chair. If you, if you have to spend eight hours a day in a, in a chair working, you'd make sure that your posture's right, right? So in a similar way, if you're training your mind, if if you have a, an email that comes in, I have clients, and not all my clients are spectacular people, so I have to deal with these people. And when I'm dealing with people who are clearly being difficult to me for for reasons I don't know why, there's some kind of political fight that's going in, going on inside that business, and I'm I'm taking the brunt of it. So I'm you know, chasing invoices that haven't been paid for weeks. All the stuff the small business have to deal with. So you meditate? I meditate. So if I, an email comes in, I will sit there and I will
0: just quietly breathe. Put some space between the heat of that email... And the decision you are gonna make around that email is is what meditation does, right? And uh, Self knowledge. Uh, I uh, very, very if, if people listening to this get one thing from it, and I think I might have touched on this years ago, but one of the things I learned in the beak at Brahma Kamaris was um, they called it just jam, just a minute. And every hour on the hour yep. if you were in a Brahma Kamari centre and if you if you weren't they would, you know, just remind you to set something on your phone or watch. A little beep that says, Hey, top of the hour, yep. take one minute Sit back, breathe. Yep. And I, I, I'm still in amazement at what... It changes uh, everything. It, it changes everything. It does. And, and people minute. think
1: that it can't. It's so simple. How can that make any difference? Or when they first start doing it, they don't see any difference. They, they hear there's this massive difference. They try it for five minutes. It doesn't work. So they just let it go. And so I, I would... If anyone is hearing this and thinking, okay, I might try it, you need to be patient because... It has a cumulative effect. Yeah, it does.
0: And over the years... A compounding effect. Yes, very much. Very
1: much so. So your initial question was, do you live your life in in a way that's brought out this innate potential?
0: You're not going to forget that question, are you? Uh,
1: It's a good question. And I wrote that quote because that is my template. That is my my own mantra. Um, I have that one. And my other one is, if you want to live an extraordinary life, you need to be extraordinary. What I mean by that is it's a mantra to me. So if you want to live an extraordinary life, Clark... Clark, you have to be extraordinary. You have to give extraordinary value to your customers. You have to follow up in an extraordinary way. You have to be extraordinary if you want to live an extraordinary life. If you don't... I think that's really you,
0: interesting. And and again, there'll be some people listening who, when I go on the woo-woo path and get all sort of the universe is going to deliver, they kind of switch off. They're the people I want not to switch off because yep. I'm really enjoying this discussion. Uh, as provocative as I've been, Clark. But there's Bath. nothing
1: woo-woo about that,
0: Oh, well, depends who you ask, right? I mean, to me, no. Uh, to the rational... Uh, I mean, maybe, you, maybe you your old man, tradie, yeah. blue-collar home. Totally. He probably thought it was a bit woo-woo. Uh, a bit gay. My son's uh, a bit gay.
1: When I went off to become a monk, yes, that's I'm sure he never actually said it to my face, but I know that he did because my mother has uh, well, I've had discussions about right, it and right. for sure. And it was a real fear of his, and th- that's fine. I he was a complete misunderstanding of what I was doing, but over the years, everything. Everything was okay. But I would say to you, if someone thinks that to be extraordinary, to have an extraordinary life you need to be extraordinary is somehow woo-woo, I would say that you are completely mis- misunderstanding the words because wouldn't the German car manufacturers think the same thing? We want to make extraordinary cars. Of course. Therefore, our engineering has to be extraordinary. extraordinary. So if you want an extraordinary business... You need to be extraordinary in your business.
0: Uh, whether it's we or not, we'll let others decide that. Um, it's it's not practiced a hundred percent of oh, the time to- totally. by all the business owners out there. Totally, right? It's a template. And when I do, and I'm the first to admit, I, I'm I, as much as I would love to think I'm constantly offering extraordinary value. I'm no, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I like to work towards that all the time, but boy, when I see, and I'm thinking of a couple of colleagues and friends at the moment who do offer extraordinary, extraordinary value. Uh, their lives are also extraordinary. Yeah. They're giving people. Uh, they are very open people. Um, they're very strong people. They'll say no as much as they'll say yes, yeah, yeah. you know. They're not going to be in doormats as you yeah. put them. And so I like that. I, I get the fact that, you know, you want to be, live an extraordinary life, then be extraordinary, totally. Yeah. Clark uh, by the way listeners we are talking to uh, Clark Scott I don't even know how to I don't even know how to frame you ex buddhist monk turned entrepreneur that's can we leave it at that Yeah except that I would say even as a teenager
1: I was I had this in me if the the whole entrepreneurial thing building businesses yes was I wasn't the kind of the lemonade stand kind of kid I wasn't that cliché right. but when I was playing music um, my friends used to tease me because if we'd have, I remember putting a band together when I was at the VCA, and the band was I played saxophone. There was a guitarist, there was a drummer, and there was a um, it was a harp.
0: Oh, sounds like Spandau Ballet. Uh,
1: no, no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> art music, and um, but somehow that group just clicked immediately. I'm like, well, you know, let's let's turn this into a business. Well, let's go and get gigs. Right. Let's make money. Right. And my art friends are like.
0: Really, you you know, no, go they're, away. They're they're the protective, precious, creative types who don't who you know. There's art and there's capitalism, yes. and never the two shall meet. Yes, and your your spirituality and capitalism, compassion and, and the, business. And the two together, will, the two will meet. Yeah, they are meeting. Yeah, let's talk compassion. Uh, what what you're big on it? Yep. Define it, and how does it play a role in running a business?
1: I'm being provocative by bringing these two together. And for a purpose, um, compassion in the West is completely misunderstood. It's it's often seen as being weak and kind of wet, and uh, only something that religious people participate yes, in, or what have you. And uh, from a, the definition of compassion from within the, the philosophical tradition of, of Buddhism, the one that I was educated in, is that. Uh, compassion is an aspiration. So it's, it's what we would call a mental factor, right? It's an aspiration. It's a desire that oneself or another is free from suffering and the causes of suffering. So then what, how do we define suffering? Well, it's pretty easy. Suffering is suffering, right? So if I can produce something that alleviates that suffering and I can then get money that will enable me for that, for that thing that I'm giving to you, that will enable me to then go and give that to someone else, then that's a business, I'm able to sustain it and and scale it, mm-hmm. and if I can then, and I and I would say that so that's the definition of compassion. Bringing those two together allow a business to be a, a, an altruistic business, but that's not devoid of capitalism. So if you can, if you can make a lot of money and have a house at Wire River and the new Porsche GT3, my new favorite car, uh, there's, well there's actually nothing wrong with that. There's nothing inherently evil about money is what we do with money mm-hmm. that can either be good or evil. It's it's jealousy, pride, arrogance, anger. all the, That's what's dysfunctional about the it. The deadly and sins. Tot- well, yeah. 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 Without going down the Abrahamic
0: right. yeah, 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 yeah. view of life, just okay. from a, a pure science point of view. So, so if I could, again, find the practical um, way we can use compassion. Yep. Um, you know, I, the, the other day... Over the last couple of weeks, I've been completely dicked around by someone in business, yep. right? They approach me to do something, yep. I'm like, and it was at the last minute they were in a bit of trouble and I'm like, hey, like, take a breath. I think I can help you. I'll check my availability. All's good. Here's my fee. Here's everything. Um, That person then went away and they were quite desperate at the time. And then I heard nothing more of them. And I get my back up about this because I think, um, not, not personally, but I think as small business owners, you know, things can be tough and hard and we want people at least to respond to us, to tell us you've yep. either got the job or you haven't. Yep. If we haven't, that's cool. But at least, like, let's communicate. Yeah. It's annoying when that happens. It is. Anyway, this person didn't communicate uh, and it was getting close to the date. And I I, I, I realised pretty quickly that I didn't get the gig. Yep. But my view is, like, at least let me know. Sure. But I kind of, through meditating on it, yep. put some space between it and gone, this Person may have something going on in their lives yep. that is stopping them from getting back to me. It's not about me, yep. it was never about me. Something's happened. Possibly, so, you know, or m- possibly they're just a dick. Possibly just a dick. I think they were a dick, but yep. I'm, I don't know. I'm, you know, but to me, that's that's a my wife's <laughs> laughing over there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a um, to me, that's how I would use compassion. So I would I say then you the were
1: compassionate towards yourself, to be honest. You said, yeah. I got, I got mine my, my back up, right? Yeah, yeah. I like, so, you so, like your thinking. I like the cut of your jib. So compassion, as I said before, um, is completely misunderstood. Some people might hear that story and think, well, and, and you kind of did as well. It's like, oh, well, maybe there's something else going on with that person. Maybe, I mean, that's all airy-fairy. That's, that's why this stuff gets a bad name because we, we, we make it woo-woo and it doesn't have to be. All right, so re, re, uh,
0: sort me out. What should I have done?
1: So you shouldn't have got angry with yourself for a start. Like, how dare they, right? That's coming from a place of, how dare they do that to me? Yeah, ego. Ego, totally. I didn't think I had an ego. So we all have egos. (laughs) Uh, It's how we deal with them that's the difference (laughs) between someone who's able to be extraordinary, like these friends you're talking about, and the ones that aren't. So if you think about this person, this friend, uh, who is extraordinary, they're able to say no. So if this person is dicking you around, you get on the phone and you say... Hey Harry. Hey Dick. What are you doing?
0: But you? I tried. I phoned, I yep. emailed. Then you I just let it go. Good, Done. Good advice. Cuz I did beat myself up over it a little bit. I did get annoyed. Okay. So you you've you've got annoyed I because your ego mes- got involved. I, I
1: attached yeah.
0: to And then you thought. got
1: upset with yourself for getting annoyed. There's no compassion in that. Is there?
0: Should I give myself a big hug?
1: Or just let it go. Let like, it go. It just if you if you had of let it go in that moment, and that's that's where the practice comes in because that's not it's not something that comes natural to any of us because it's culturally it's not how we're brought up as mm. even as the species of human beings mm. we're not our education system doesn't allow that yeah. we are not we are not taught or told that we can be compassionate towards ourselves in that way we believe that compassion is about being uh, you know just turning the other cheek continuously. Um, to the sufferance of ourselves, and that's not what compassion is about at all. It's the f- being free from suffering. In that moment, you weren't free from suffering at all. You were beating yourself up. <laughs>
0: I was just a complete... Suffer was my middle
1: name during yeah, that time. but I do, I do that too. I beat myself up. She knows. I beat myself up all the time. We all do it. The, the, um, that refractory per- period between when you begin to beat yourself up and then you notice it and then you let it go, mm-hmm. that shortens over time. Two things that I've noticed in my journey over the last 20 years, I've become a lot less judgmental towards others, a lot less judgmental towards myself, a lot more patient, yes, patient, a lot more patient towards By the way, this, this Clark others.
0: is constantly looking at his wife, Sophie, who's just completely beautiful. like, yeah, come on. Tell the truth, Clark. Hey? Hey, that's not so? very nice. <laughs> Talking about my wife here. <laughs> so, interesting, I mean, I could, t- this is really fascinating. Uh, it's a conversation that I haven't really had on the show uh, up until now. Um, so it's, it's been good. I would probably like to go for another couple of hours, but I can't. I've got to go to Thailand. Sure. <laughs> that sounds like okay, a pretty good trip. But um, So um, some great learnings around Buddhism, compassion and all that. I really appreciate that. Let's just talk about business for a minute because yep. you are in business now yep. and you are still a Buddhist. Yes. And you are running it uh, with that philosophy in mind. Yep. Is, are, are there any parts of running Clark, is it Clark Scott Education, is that the name yeah. of the business? Dot com. Dot com. That, I like that. Go ahead and seed. I love seeding. Um, is there any part of the business where you are completely challenged and all the Buddhism power and meditation in the world just It, it, stop, it doesn't enable you to move forward without blowing a foof of valve? Um,
1: <laughs> yes and no. So there is not one part of the business, talking from just from the business perspective, perspective that um that buddhism doesn't somehow it's it's not it's the platform from which every aspect of my life um sets off so from of every aspect of Buddha, of uh the business buddhism is there coupled together it's everything that i that i do but when i talk about buddhism it's really just about training the mind so in that regard um, business is actually a fanta—it's a fertile ground from which I've got all kinds of challenges, challenging people, um, challenges like cash flow. Having to deal with all of that stress, it really stretches me as, as a practitioner, as a contemplative. Uh, so it's, it's because of the challenges of business, I'm a better person. I'm a better Buddhist. Because of Buddhism, because of, because of compassion, I'm a better business person. There are aspects of my personality that are still challenging. So stuff that I've been dealing with from when I was a kid, um, not that I had a bad life, but there's just there's, there's issues around psychological issues that are very, very... I call them dispositional narratives. They are, these are the, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. So one story, and I know we're running late, so I'll, I'll do this really quickly. My father, as a, as a young man, um, he didn't finish high school. But he was he, – and he used to think that he wasn't very smart. And he's not book smart, but he's very street smart. He was a, a very successful businessman. He used to say to me as a young bloke, I'm not as smart as everyone else, Clark, so I've had to work harder than everyone else. Now, from his point of view, he's trying to instil in me the, the the Protestant work ethic. Work hard and everything will be all right. What I heard was you're not as smart as everyone else, Clark, period. It wasn't until I got to high school that I realised that wasn't true. Mm. I found myself when I was doing my PhD uh, still having to deal with that same narrative. It was I didn't even notice it through my teenage years until I was in, in, well into my 30s before I, I realised, wow, that's an old story that yeah, I've been right. telling myself and it's actually been... And because it's so close, there's a Tibetan saying, it's easy to see the, ele- the flea on another's back. It's hard to see the elephant on your own. This so was a, this was a, a giant it's elephant. It's easy
0: to see the what? The flea. The flea? On another's back. Ah, uh-huh, yeah, gotcha. It's hard to see the <laughs> elephant on
1: your own. This was my elephant and it was stopping me big time. Um, I'm in my 40s now and I'm still dealing with it. So yeah, right. I-, I notice that when things aren't going well, I can hear that little voice uh, going, you're a loser. Yeah, right. This is never going to work for you. So, yeah, and but at, at that point... Because of my my meditation practice, I can see those very very subtle little voices that are preventing me from being extraordinary. So, uh, the the that mantra for me is really a mantra. If I want to live an extraordinary life, which I do, and I believe that that everyone does, then we, me, I need to be extraordinary in mm. every single way. I need to know myself in an extraordinary way. I need to give extraordinary value. Is that I a need massive to be Extraordinary pressure? kind to no, not at all. It's um, it is. Self-soothing in such a way that life becomes joyous. What and if you I'm, don't I'm, hit the extraordinary on a certain but part already, of your I'm life? Not, I'm you not already living Do you get sad? No. Uh, do I ever get sad? I can get. I can be hard on myself for sure. Um, I can. Uh, I can be real hard on myself. And again, that's my dad. That's. It's. I, I don't want that to sound like it's blame. I'm not blaming him because from his perspective, he's doing good. But the way I heard it, because I was a very different. A boy to what he thought I was. I, I wasn't a working class. I was a working class kid, but I was not into football. I was into poetry. Is
0: your old man still with us? Just go home. Go home and watch Billy
1: Elliot with him. I, I've yeah. He would not sit through Billy Elliot. I think it'd be a lovely thing to do. <laughs> the bombers uh, and Hawthorne maybe, but um, now we're talking. Yeah,
0: love the Hawks. I, well, I grew like up in them. an Essendon family, <laughs> so I hate hawks. If, uh, if people go to ClarkScottEducation.com, yep. uh, what are they going to find there?
1: They are going to find material that is philosophical in nature, um, all about business. Um, I have a lot of stuff around personal brand businesses. Uh, so personal brand businesses work really, really well on the internet because it's, it's, people get to know, like, and trust you in a, a far more, uh, in a quicker fashion, basically. Yes. Um, so my whole education, the, that wing of my businesses, because I have more than one, is all about creating and helping people um, basically start and grow personal brand businesses. And what that means is that I I teach content, branding strategies, content strategies, monetization strategies and scaling strategies so that you can have an actual business as a life coach or a coach of some kind, a consultant, um... A, another educator, if you like, or an entrepreneur who's selling their either their information products or even like stuff like ecom. Some of the the biggest com right. people around all have personal brands as the face of yeah, their ecom. Do. So, they do. Um, creating strategies well, around that. Yeah,
0: I would encourage people to go and have a look. Clark Scott, Namaste.
1: I'll say to you, thank you very much, Tim.
0: Thanks, brother. <laughs> Well, there you go, team. Ex-Buddhist monk, turned entrepreneur, Clark Scott of Clark Scott Education. How'd that go for you? Are you feeling a little bit more enlightened? (laughs) Maybe you're feeling bamboozled. Maybe you're thinking, OMG, what was that all about? I don't know. You know, up to you. But I'd love to know. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash four one six and and leave me your feedback or a comment. I'd really love to hear what you thought of that. Coming up, I'm going to share my top three attention grabbers from that fireside chat with Clark. Thanks to Prosper and Design Crowd. Plus, if you are struggling with attracting great staff, or maybe you're struggling managing your social media activity, then listeners Roger and Michael share some solid ideas around those two topics, and they win a couple of prizes for their reference in the Small Business Big Marketing Monster Prize Draw. Cash flow in business is everything, right? That's why I'm excited to introduce you to Prosper, Australia's number one online lender to Aussie small businesses. But don't take my word for it. Small business owner Naoli Scobie of Truly Tea won the contract to supply the Opera House and needed to quickly ship tens of thousands of tea bags and two tonnes of loose leaf tea. Where was she going to get the money for that? Okay, well, I already supplied, you know, part of the Opera House and then they offered me, um, you know, inside the Opera House, which is a very big deal, and I had to have a lot of stock on hand. You can't say no to the Opera House when they... They place an order, they want it the next day, and those are the terms of trade, and I wasn't going to say no to them. I'd knocked back too many opportunities in the past, so I phoned up a a finance guy I trusted. He said, look, there's a new player on the market, Prosper. Give them a call. I gave them a call, and within 24 hours, I had the money in the bank. (laughs) Prosper, P-R-O-S-P-A. That's where she got the money. Apply online in 10 minutes to borrow up to $250,000. Call 1300 882 867 or visit prosper.com forward slash Timbo. Cheap, quick, great. I used to work with a designer who'd force me to choose two of those three options whenever I wanted something designed. As a small business owner with limited funds, it drove me nuts that I could never have all three. That's why I love DesignCrowd. You see, Design Crowd is a website that helps startups, small businesses, and marketers outsource custom design from logos and business cards to websites and landing pages. In fact, Design Crowd gives you access to over 550,000 designers from Sydney to San Francisco ready to help you with awesome creative ideas. Here's how it works you post a brief describing your design need. Within hours, you'll receive your first design, and over the next three to ten Days, a typical project will receive 60 to 100 different designs from designers around the world. You then pick your favourite, make any changes, and pay the designer. You know, whether you're an entrepreneur looking to set up your brand or an established business that needs marketing collateral designed, Design Crowd is your answer. For a special $100 VIP listener offer, go to designcrowd.com forward slash Timbo. Or enter the discount code TIMBO when posting a project. See, now you can have cheap, quick, and great design thanks to Design Crowd. Righto, my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Clark Scott, thanks to Prosper and Design Crowd. Attention grabber number one. I love the whole hourly meditation idea. If you do, maybe even if you're kind of thinking, I don't know about that, try it. Set a timer on your computer or your watch to beep on the hour, then just stop. Stop what you're doing. doesn't matter, just stop, unless you're like a surgeon or something and you're operating. And focus on your breath for just 60 seconds. If that freaks you out, do it for 30 seconds, but just do it. Do it for a week, let me know how you go. Attention grabber number two, I love the idea of stopping and reflecting on where others are at before you make a decision in your own business. I think so often in the heat of the moment, we can crack it at someone or ourselves without giving any thought to how someone or ourselves may be feeling or what they may be going through in their personal life. So... I think that's a really good thing to do and probably will, you know, um, help you avoid some painful situations. Let the heat go out of something. Think about how others are before you react. Attention grabber number three. Now, whilst we didn't talk much about personal branding, it is one of Clark's core business offerings and an area of marketing I'm quite passionate about. So I encourage you to look into the whole area of personal branding a little bit more to help you out. I'll put some links uh, of past interviews I've done that focus on that topic over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash, you guessed it, 416. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize draw. Oh, yes, indeed Lee It is time to reward some motivated listeners for taking action, for taking some marketing action. It is the Small Business Big Marketing Monster prize draw. Here's how it works. you just got to email me, tim at telling me one idea you've implemented from listening to this show and what impact it's had on your business. If I read it out on air, you're going to receive a prize or two, thanks to my generous past guests. And you'll go into the draw for an end of year prize, which is a hot lap in a Porsche with past guest and race car driver and legend Steve Richards valued at two and a half thousand dollars and i will be there on the day with you <laughs> equally uh, scared and you know what uh so that's it simple that's how you enter the monster prize draw now let's find out who today's winners are the first one is let me have a look yes there it is roger smith roger smith from i uh, where is he from rniconsulting.com.au. Timbo, he says, yes, I get a lot out of your podcasts. Sometimes more, sometimes less, but always interesting and entertaining. I like that. I like the fact that it's sometimes less and sometimes more because I think some people look look at the topics and go, oh, that's not relevant to me. Like today's topic, you know, ex-Buddhist monk. I'm sure there'll be people who've turned off going, oh, that's not relevant to me. But Sure enough, if you listen in, there will be something in every episode that I'm sure you can action. Roger goes on to say one of the best podcasts and one I looked to and one I took to heart was the use of social oomph from episode 229. Well, that's a while back. Social Oomph, I don't use it, but it's a great um, piece of software that allows you to schedule your social media posts, track keywords uh, right across Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, your blogs, all that type of stuff. Back to Roger, he says, I get a minimum of 50 retweets and 20 to 30 website visits a day from using Social Oomph as my automated social media system. I tweak it once a fortnight with new content and add other useful information and happening news. My social media profiles and the information I was posting was instrumental in getting me involved in ADFA. ADFA Don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's very good. Here are some stats from the past 18 months. Twitter, I've gone from 5,000 to 12,600 followers. LinkedIn, I've gone from 2,000 connections to 5,500 connections. Thanks, Timbo. Love your work, Roger Smith. Well, thank you, Roger, more to the point, for taking the trouble to let us know about that. You have won... A double pass to the American Express Lounge at the Sydney or Melbourne International Airport, valued at sixty-six bucks. You've got a backlink on the smallbusinessbigmarketing.com website, priceless, and a Bunster's hot sauce pack, thanks to Renee Bunster, past guest. Hope he likes. Hope you like chili, Roger. That's valued at eighty-three dollars. All right. Next winner in the monster prize draw is Michael Carswell. Of Federation Homes in New Zealand. I like this one. He says, Hey Tim. So, firstly, long time listener, don't think I've missed an episode since 150. Mate, that is. Love you already. Highly engaging and practical content. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We've implemented lots from your show. The Google Sites idea from episode 328 with Joyce Ong was definitely a favourite. I'm a total systems nerd and and simple is always best. Yeah, that was a great tip from Joyce. I'll put a link in that to the show notes. But the main marketing strategy that's made the big difference is this. Our company doesn't overly struggle for leads or sales, though more is always better. We have a super strong word of mouth and that, coupled with some good print marketing and a booming construction centre sector, has provided us with enough work to keep us really, really busy. Our biggest struggle, however, however, and this is very common, is finding top staff to keep the machine functioning to the standard we need. Hear this often. We had tried the usual employment sites to little or no effect. After listening to your podcast for all those years, it finally dawned on me that we need to be marketing our company to potential employees, just like any other sale. Aha! Nice realisation, Michael. You have realised the employee brand strategy. He goes on to say... This change in thinking enabled us to narrow down the niche we are targeting and create a sales and marketing system that meant we attracted the right kind of staff for the right roles. We now have a dedicated email address to which all applications are submitted and monitored. Clever. We've built a simple free landing page for each role to be filled clever and we advertise that on facebook trade me which i'm guessing is a dedicated site to attract uh, tradies and seek.com.au and we create a pipeline for each applicant having this market having this marketing material ready to go means that when we need to employ a staff member all the roles already have their own landing page and strategy it's an easy task to advertise and employ staff that is genius Having qualifications in architecture, running a business and marketing is a completely foreign concept to me. I get it, Michael. Hear that often. You know, we can be good at our core skill set, but all those other things that come with running a business, it's tough. That's why I do this show. They don't teach you that at school. Your podcast has been invaluable in getting us off the ground over the last few years, and we're all excited to see where we go next. Many kind regards, Michael Carswell, Federation Homes. That is just... This is a great email. That is right there why I do the Monster Price Draw, to extract ideas from you, my precious, precious listener. Now, Michael, you have won an, S- an SBBM, a Small Business Big Marketing Backlink, priceless. Amex Lounge Double Pass, 66 bucks. And a Hunting for George voucher voucher. They'll get it 100 bucks. Hunting for George, that interior design homewares business. Uh, we interviewed the girls, the owners of that, a few weeks ago. So you can use that to decorate your office, make it look a bit schmick. Thank you, buddy. Hey, everyone else, please send me an idea that you've implemented in your business from listening to this show and what impact it's had. You too can win if I read it out. Send it to Tim at timreid.com.au. You and I cover some serious marketing ground in this show, I'd have to say. Hope you agree. Recently, we heard from email marketing expert Dan Fagella, who attributes his Sports Illustrated-inspired email marketing strategy to generating $2 million in annual sales. And what about the chat we had recently with cancer survivor Damien Lee, who's gone off and created the world's healthiest instant two-minute noodles because that's the food he loves and wants to eat. (laughs) Very inspiring uh, little chat, that one. You'll find both those episodes plus hundreds more over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com or go ahead and subscribe subscribe free on your favourite podcast app. Love to hear from you. Enter the monster prize draw. Head over to the contact button at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com where you can join me on social media, email me. You can grab a free copy of my book, The Boomerang Effect, uh, as well. Be sure to check out Design Crowd. Seriously, if you want something designed letterhead, logo, stationary, signage, website, T-shirts, merch, whatever it may be, DesignCrowd is the world's number one custom design marketplace and you will get the perfect design every time, all your money back. And you can get a 100 bucks off your brief at designcrowd.com forward slash Timbo. If you use it, let me know. A big thank you to Prosper, P-R-O-S-P-A, Australia's number one online lender to small businesses. If you need some dough quick to finance that next big idea, then check them out, prosper.com forward slash Timbo. And if you love the Small Business Big Marketing Show, then let another business owner know about it by grabbing their phone and downloading it for them. Do that once a day for the next year and I'll love you forever. Until next week, I am Timbo Reed, the winner of the best Australian business and marketing podcast, according to the Australian Podcast Awards. (laughs) Thank you for that. I am honoured that you helped me get there. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.